This is Federalism Matters, a podcast speaking of federalism real and relevant to our daily lives. I'm Dr. Wes Leprone, a fellow at the Center for the Study of Federalism and professor of political science at Widener University. Today's topic explores the way federalism is affecting the issues discussed in the 2024 presidential race in the United States, uh, particularly in the first Republican presidential debate on August 23rd. However, before we explore this issue, I'd like to encourage you to visit us at federalism.org if you would like to learn more about federalism or specific issues related to federalism. You can also stay up to date on all of our activities by signing up for our newsletter. And now, our topic for today's podcast. Federalism influences many, if not most, public policy issues in the United States. However, we rarely stop to think about how. As we progress through the debates, primaries, and general election of the 2024 presidential election season, we'll regularly provide commentary on how candidates' agendas connect to issues of American federalism. In today's Federalism Matters podcast, we'll explore how federalism fit into the topics discussed at the first Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee on August 23rd. I'm joined today by two fellows of the Center for the Study of Federalism, Dr. John Cades, the Robert B. and Helen S. Minor Professor of Government and Public Service and the Director of the Minor Center for the Study of State and Local Government at Lafayette College. And Dr. Troy Smith is Professor of Political Science at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. Welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Happy to be here. The first presidential debate of the 2024 campaign was held a couple of days ago. It's important to note that former president and the current Republican frontrunner, Donald Trump, did not attend the debate. There were eight other candidates on the stage that qualified for the debate for the Republicans. Certainly, the questions from the debate moderators had an effect on what issues were discussed by the eight candidates. However, given that constraint, what issues related to American federalism were most prominent in the discussion? I think the most prominent uh, federalism issue that came up in the debate was the discussion of abortion uh, following the Dobbs decision, which returned uh, abortion policymaking to the states. And it was especially notable among uh, Governor Doug Burgum of North Carolina. <laughs> During that discussion, uh, he pulled out a copy of the Constitution from his pocket and discussed the Tenth Amendment and emphasized the fact that this decision-making on abortion uh, ought to be left to the states, that this was a state matter, and uh, really distinguished him from the other candidates who chimed in on this issue, especially Mike Pence. They want to enact a national law on abortion. So Pence argued that the court had not just left the matter to the states, but also to Congress. Congress should act and pass a national uh, law, you know, really limiting abortion. So despite uh, Doug Bergman's uh, emphasis on the 10th Amendment, uh, the other candidates were really emphasizing the authority of Congress in their view to override the states and, and enact a national law on, on abortion. I'm not sure I understood Na Nikki Haley's answer completely. She seemed to be open to diversity among the states, similar to Governor Burgum. That, okay, that means we'll have different policies in different states. 
Some states will be very liberal on abortion. Other states will be very conservative or restrictive of abortion. And uh, that's something that Bergam and I think Haley support it, whereas the other candidates, especially Mike Pence, did not support that kind of federal diversity. In some ways, Haley's response was almost we could not pass a national ban because of the filibuster in the Senate. So therefore, it's not even worth talking about. I took Haley a little bit differently. She was saying how, you know, you need 60 senators and a majority of members of the House of Representatives to pass a national law. But she went on to say that we do need a consensus. And she said we need a consensus on prohibiting late-term abortions. We need to provide better uh, coverage for adoptions. We need to make contraception available, generally available. Um, doctors who oppose abortions should not go to jail and um, protect the women, uh, better coverage and protection for the women. So actually, I did kind of take that as a, a national uh, agenda for abortion if uh, uh, if you could get the consensus in the Senate and the House of Representatives. So by my count of the six people who responded to the abortion question, five of them were in favor of a national federal role in in defining what abortion should be. As as John said, uh, only uh, Governor Burgum was the one who pulled out the 10th Amendment in the Constitution and said the federal government doesn't have a responsibility for this. Yeah, the 10th Amendment, let's remind people, reserves all powers not delegated to the federal government, to the states or to the people. Dr. Smith, did you see other issues besides abortion that related to federalism in the debate? So I saw five issues. Um, the first one was the size of the federal government. There was a general consensus among the Republican candidates to reduce the size of the federal workforce. Um, an emphasis on rule of law and prosecution. Question about, well, actually an opposition to the uh, defunding the police um, movement and also the Soros prosecutors who are not prosecuting criminals to the full extent of the law. The, the abortion question, obviously. Education was a a big issue that was debated and uh, whether the Department of the Federal Department of Education should be abolished, whether parents should be given vouchers or the vouchers should go to schools, what to do with the teachers unions. Border security uh, was another issue that is, you know, that that is a federal responsibility and role, but it has a big impact on the border states. So it raises federalism issues in, in that way. Another cut on that federalism issue is the uh, particularly Chris Christie's, I think it was Chris Christie's comments about state or, you know, technically these Soros, alleged Soros uh, prosecutors or county DAs. Uh, if the county DAs are not prosecuting criminals, he said the federal government should come and he would have the Justice Department. And that would be a very substantial invasion of state powers if that happened. And it's not clear that the federal government has the authority to uh, prosecute the range of criminal offenses that county DAs have. Could, could I ask for some clarification since you raised that issue on something Governor DeSantis said? Was he mentioned that he, as governor of Florida, was able to remove two DAs in counties that he felt were were too liberal how if at all could that be translated to the presidency i don't see how it could be translated to the presidency at all because the president has no authority over those county da's 
the president appoints and fires the U.S. attorneys in those areas. And that's what Christie was talking about. The U.S. attorneys would prosecute in the absence of prosecution from the county DAs. But I don't see the president having any, has no authority to remove a county district attorney. Before we move on, Dr. Smith, you mentioned education. I heard the word block grant discussed by two of the candidates, which is not something generally uh, that we've heard in recent debates. Um, what, what were the differences between what the different candidates when they were approaching their education policies? Yeah, I'm not sh- So block grant has a very technical definition. Um, it's where the federal government gives a block of money to the states and the states then are fairly free to allocate how that money is spent within the the general policy area. Um, so it gives a lot of discretion. One of the problems with block grants, it, this being technical, is that they don't necessarily they don't increase with inflation. So over time, the value of those block grants uh, decreases. I'm not sure that I don't think that that's how the candidates were used were using it. There there was a general consensus for giving the money in to either two parents or to the states. So I heard a couple of of um proposals that they want the federal fund the Department of Education to be abolished and that money to be sent to the parents who then could use that to decide which schools to go to. But there was another candidate who said that it would go to the states and then the states would decide how to use that. There's a sense that the federal government should not be uh, spending this money, but that it uh, should either be the parents or the the states that that make that decision. Uh, Republicans are strongly supportive of school choice. So that's another motivation for them in changing the uh, the funding arrangement. The current federal funding arrangements sharply limits the ability of states to use federal funding for school choice. So abolishing the Department of Education, and uh, presumably that's what some of the candidates meant by returning the money to parents so that they could send their children to the schools of their own choice. It'd be interesting to see how that would be handled. Would that be a direct payment or would that be a tax credit? Uh, that's, you know, that was not clarified by any of the candidates. So by my count, six of the eight candidates that were on the stage for the debate either currently are or were governors. Were there any more interested, those candidates, any more interested in issues involving federalism than the other candidates, including former President Donald Trump. And do we generally ever see any difference in the way that governors approach intergovernmental issues when running for president? Or or are they more interested in just policy that affects the nation as opposed to really federalism principles? Governor Burgum was the only governor who explicitly, I think, made very clear federalism points. Uh, The other governors did not. And the historical trend has been that once the governor becomes president, their position changes and they're much more supportive of national policies and not as supportive of the states as they were as governors or even uh, running for president. So the, the governors, when they become presidents, can become very nationalizing forces and they don't necessarily defend the states more than any other president. Dr. Smith. One of the themes that came up in the uh, from a number of the presidential candidates 
Republican presidential candidates was the need to revive civic education in this country. And there is a serious issue with uh, a lack of understanding about our government and uh, the Constitution and, and the limitations and responsibilities that it, it gives. And I think you see that in, in the debates. Kind of the theme of uh, running a candidate campaign is what have you done for me lately? And the candidates are talking about issues that they think are the the public, particularly the Republican electorate is concerned with at, at this point. There isn't a clear understanding or attention to federalism and the limitations that places on what the president and the federal government can actually do. So yes, John is correct that Governor Burkham was the only one who who specifically mentioned that and talked about it and besides bringing up the 10th Amendment, one of the things he talked about is one size policy does not fit everyone. And coming from North Dakota and a rural state, that's a bit more attentive on the public's mind where national policies created by the urban areas, the, the population centers don't particularly work well or match the values of those uh, more rural areas. Yeah, those are all good points. And my one hesitation about reviving civic education is that if you look at the AP curriculum on you know citizenship, if you look at the We the People competition, they all emphasize the federal constitution, national issues. Federalism is merely a unit. We cover the Supreme Court. We cover the Bill of Rights. Oh, by the way, we also cover federalism. None of those civic education curriculum treat federalism as a fundamental principle or structural principle that Madison pointed out in the Federalist Papers. On the other hand, it's kind of a side comment. The fact that six of the candidates for governors says something about federalism itself, you know, that being a governor of a state is kind of a training ground. And uh, sometimes the voters really key into that. You know, someone who has an actual track record governing as sort of the president of his or her state. And uh, so I think that was very interesting from a federalism point of view that six of those candidates were governors. Federalism, per se, was not a prominent feature in the debate when the Republicans were talking about uh, ending the Department of Education and so on. Uh, that was more about limiting the the federal bureaucracy and the deep state than it was about federalism per se, in my view. Yeah, to pick up on that, not only was federalism not a part of the debate, but a lot of these issues were the exact opposite of it was a national policy a national agenda we want the federal use the federal government's power to enact the policies and values that we want you see that particularly with abortion immigration issue well uh you, you see that particularly with the abortion uh issue great well we'll be sure to have you back as we uh continue our discussions of federalism in the 2024 elections. Dr. Kincaid, Dr. Smith, thank you for joining us today for this very interesting discussion. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode of Federalism Matters. To learn more about this and other federalism-related topics, please visit us at federalism.org. Subscribe to our newsletter to be notified of future issues. And remember, federalism balances self-rule and shared rule.